Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. This morning, we're going to continue our current series uh, that we've entitled Intentional Living. So if you're taking notes this morning, this is part two. And if by chance that you were unable to be with us last Sunday, I would highly encourage you to go check out the podcast. And uh, my prayer for you is simply this, is that, that that message will resonate in your heart as much as it has mine. And because uh, truth is, it's changing my life. Okay, so if I can maybe take a moment just to uh, take a step back and reframe kind of where we've been over the past few weeks uh, so that everybody in the room today can actually be headed in the, uh, you know, just a clear unified direction. The reality is even, even if you're taking notes, we say part two, it's really kind of like 1B, all right? So we're just going to kind of continue down the same uh, train of thought as last week. But here's where we've been. Uh, if you can remember, basically, I encouraged you a few weeks ago to set aside some time to hear from God concerning where he might want to lead your life over the next year. Uh, and the reason is because if we realize it or not, uh, God is never idle, right? He's always moving. He's always interested in uh, transforming us into the person he desires. And, and how many of you guys know, but for that to happen, it requires our participation in that, right? So, so with that in mind, I shared this thought about writing out an intentional growth plan for 2022 that really centered around one question that we all got to grab a hold of, and that is this, is how can we give more attention to the areas that should matter the most in our lives? It's so simple. How can we give more attention to the areas that should matter the most in our lives, like our relationship with God, his purpose for our lives, our marriage, children, right? Our emotional, mental, and physical health, our friendships, and lastly, that we actually steward the resources that God has given us. Now, um, if I could just say this, obviously this wasn't, uh, you know, something that I was only asking you to do. Um, you, you know, it's something that I've been doing as well. And, and I pur- purposely have chosen uh, to just kind of take a step back so that I could take an honest evaluation of my life and all those areas that were just up on the board. And, and to be completely transparent with you, and I, you know, I don't know about you, but I, but I haven't liked everything I've seen through this evaluation process. And, uh, but the good news is, is this, is by owning my shortcomings and in some cases my failures, uh, it's allowed me an opportunity to make some major shifts in my priorities. Uh, so much so that my prayer is really simple, and it's this. God, help me to be fruitful in the areas that matter the most. Somebody say fruitful. Like, man, we need to grab a hold of that. I don't, I don't want to waste a bunch of time with my life, God. I want to be fruitful in the areas that matter the most. And, and while it, when I say that, I realize that may not sound uh, super profound to most people, but the reality is, is it's bringing some, real, uh, some radical shifts in the way I'm doing my life. And so uh, I just think this, by, by doing this, it's allowed me to see with greater clarity than ever before, like I said last week, that fruitfulness requires my intentionality. That fruitfulness requires my intentionality. In other words, if I'm going to bear the fruit that God calls and expects me to, then I better get, uh, I better get serious about living an intentional life, first and foremost with him, with my family, and lastly, with the community of believers that he's placed me in. Can I hear an amen? Now, listen, I don't know what your journey uh, has looked like in all this, but uh, for me, in hindsight, I've realized that there were three things in particular that opened my eyes 
over the past six months or so that uh, helped me see that, that this guy uh, was in need of some serious change. And the first thing that happened was this. There's three things. I'm just going to be really open and really, really vulnerable with you today. And, and let me maybe preface this. Uh, why am I so vulnerable with you guys? Because we need you to be vulnerable too. That's why. So, uh, so I'm going to lead the way, and, and here's some ugly, okay? It just is what it is. I don't, I don't play the hide game. I, I don't do that well, okay? I'd just rather be real and authentic because I believe that's where Jesus is, all right? So, so here's the first thing that opened my eyes. It is a, I don't know, maybe, uh, I don't know, about six months ago, five months ago, I got a call uh, that my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, now over the past two years, my mom and my stepmom have both been diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, but, but, I, but I handled that news completely different, to be honest with you. And I don't know if it was because I knew in my heart that they were going to be okay, and thankfully they are. Uh, but when my brother called me, when my family, we were driving back from Augusta, my brother called me, and I'm expecting to be something totally different. And he gives me the news that our dad has cancer. The first thing that came to my mind was this. Literally, the first thought was, what a wasted opportunity. And, and the only thing I think about, basically I'm talking about with our relationship, it, and, and it's not that we have been at odds with one another because we're not. Uh, we get along fine. It, it's just that we aren't as close as what we should be. Right, And so the overwhelming thought of him dying made me see all the potential influence and all the, the time that had been wasted over the years. Right, And I couldn't help as I was driving our car. Man, I was angry, I was disappointed, and I was afraid all at once. Right, And in the back of my mind, I kept wondering this really simple thought. Is how much could you know, just even a short consistent phone call throughout the last 20 years since it's been since I've been gone, right? How could that made a difference? Like how much of a difference would it made? And I think the reality is it could have made a huge difference, right? And now, you know, fast forward, thankfully, you know, the doctors gave, uh, you know, him four potential possibilities. And, and uh, you know, thank God, the only one that was positive worked out, right? In other words, there was a chance he was gonna die in surgery, he was never going to be able to speak again. He would live with a trach or he was going to be okay. And we prayed our guts out and Jesus moved. In fact, I went to Alabama about, I don't know, two months ago for the sole purpose. Yes, hail my son, but I wanted to lay hands on my father and I wanted to pray, right? And so, listen, I think, and if he realizes or not, uh, that, that just maybe God's given us a second chance uh, to redeem some time, right? So the second thing that happened, and I'm being really open here, so don't judge me, okay? is this, is that, uh, is that some of the negative things, this is what opened my eyes, the second thing that opened my eyes is some of the negative changes I've seen in my kids' behavior and attitude over the past, we'll say, two years, right? That, that it's not like I have bad kids, and I don't want to put off that that's the case, but it basically boils down to two words. It, it's this, relational conflict, right? That it has a tendency when, when there's a constant storm of that in your, in your household, it squashes the peace and it squashes honor, Right, and so listen. Over the past few months, it, that's really come to a head, and and, and where it's kind of left me once again just being vulnerable is like this is the first time, you know, being a parent for 14 years that I felt like a failure as a father. Right, and, and I, I would say that I've never felt so low and so discouraged and such. And this is the key part: at a loss for what to do. I don't know if you've ever been there, but that stinks. <laughs> And the third thing to open my eyes was this, and this is just shooting straight, is the fact that 
uh, because so often Jennifer and I are like two ships passing in the night, high-fiving, handing off kids, right? It's that like the bottom line that we haven't been in the healthiest spot for a while, right? And I don't want you to get the wrong idea. It's not like we're at home having you know, shouting matches, you know, we're not ignoring each other days on end, uh, you know, we're not in financial or, or relational ruin, you know, none of that's happening. Uh, but, but the reality is we haven't been living the fulfilling, joyful life that God intended for a married man and a married woman to enjoy either, right? It's like there's been this continual, because what happens is, is when you're not healthy in relationship and communication, right? And all those things, what happens is, is there becomes this stream. It's how the enemy moves. And you start getting defensive. You start getting touchy. You're hypersensitive, right? You're easily hurt, easily offended. And you start being, what, passive aggressive, right? To get your point across. And all of that, what happens is it robs us of the life of love, joy, and peace, right? That we desire to have when we said, I do. Right. So, so listen, with all that going on the past couple of weeks, it's caused me to kind of pull away. Right. Like I said, man, I've spent some time in the garage and uh, not because I'm in trouble, uh, but, but just to get away, get some thoughts going. And I've been asking questions like, man, why am I feeling so frustrated inside? Right. Like, like why am I so frustrated? What, why am I being so defensive and so short? Why am I feeling cold? And this is key. Why am I feeling callous? Like, why do I'm like, I don't care. Right? Like, why am I wanting to run to the hills so I can hide? Right? There, there's an old saying that I probably shouldn't say down south, but, but there's this thing that says, so and so went to get a pack of cigarettes. And what that means is, is he left and didn't come back. Right? And, and so it's like, why am I feeling so weighed down? Why am I not enjoying life? Why am I so exhausted? Why don't I have peace within myself? Why am I not finding joy in life? Has anybody ever been there? So listen, I'm, I'm going to shoot straight with you. It's like when it came to those three areas of my life, as I'm processing all that stuff, I had to make a choice that was huge. And sometimes I find in life we make the right choice. Sometimes we make the wrong choice. But, but here's the choice I had to make. The easy thing would to do would have been to blame my dad for not calling for 20 years. Right? It would have been easy for me to blame my kids for not listening. Because we've told them. And it would be easy to blame Jen for X, Y, and Z. Right? Uh, just point the finger at all of them, tell myself that they're the issues. Uh, but, but here's the thing that would be the very immature thing to do. And I've walked with Jesus too long to do that thing. That's the easy way out, right? And, and so instead, what I've chosen to do through the evaluation process is, is to do something that's super scary for a lot of us is to look in the mirror and to own my junk. Like, I got to own my stuff, right? Like, I got to own me, right? And, and not some self-pity, not some self-condemning way, uh, but, but listen, it's just through the lens of realizing that at the end of the day, man, I have been given God-given responsibilities as a son, as a father, and as a husband, and that's on me, right? And so through that, uh, there's just been this gut-level question I've had to ask myself, and it's this, is how have I been doing as a son, as a father, Right? And as a husband, have I been doing as well as I should and as I can be? And the honest answer is no. Right? I haven't been. So, listen, I want you to know it's a, it's a you know, I'm sure you've been there at some point. But it's a sobering and it's a really humbling thought to admit to yourself that you're failing and you're not being as fruitful as you think you should be in the lives that, that or the relationships that matter the most. So, I just think it's this. Uh, you know, once again, I could sit back in the typical macho man thing and go, you know, do my kids have a roof over their head? Do they, you know, have food on the table? Do they have clothes on their back? Do they have all the stuff they need? Does my wife have all the stuff she needs? 
Yes. Right? But, but listen, what good is all this stuff, right, if their husband and dad isn't fully engaged or mentally and emotionally healthy as he should be? Like, what good is it? Like, I'd rather be broke as a joke and be healthy. Men, hear me, please. So if I could just take this one step further, um, how many of you guys know when you start down uh, this kind of self-evaluation rabbit hole, right? It's like when you start walking down that with God, uh, you know, he'll let you go, okay, let's talk about family, let's talk about all these things. But sooner or later, he's going to turn around and go, okay, now what about me? What about me, right? Where does your relationship with me come into play in all this? And that's exactly what he did to me, right? And now, to be clear, I, it's not that I've ever stopped praying, never stopped reading the Bible, never stopped worshiping God, you know, not wanting his will for my life, not backslidden, you know, any of those things. It, it's just the bottom line. I haven't been as deeply connected as I know I should be and as I can be, right? And, and, and so I can sit back once again, like with my family, do I blame God for that? Or is that something I should own? <laughs> right? So, so listen, when we bring all that together, and I hope this makes sense, uh, I think this guy named Peter Scazzaro, uh, man, really explained the past season of my life really well when he said this. We'll throw up the slide. Really simple statement. He said, when we experience a breakdown in our relationship with God, a breakdown in our relationship with people follows. It's pretty simple. The connection between the two is unbreakable. See, what happens is, and let's, let's shoot straight. Here's where I think uh, so many of us miss it, and I know I miss it at times is we, we separate what it means to love God and to love people. What happens is, is we go, well, I love God, and oh, then there's people. Right? But to understand they're so divinely connected, you really can't have one without the other. It's the two greatest commandments. Right? They're proof. The proof that I love God is that I love people. Right? Am I making sense? So if I could take that statement that he said and kind of maybe put it in a, more simple term, it's this, is because I was lacking attentionality with God, right, uh, of just that quiet, getting quiet, not those hurry, fast food, you know, drive-through window moments with God, but really just focusing with God because I lacked that intentionality with him. I was also struggling to find intentionality and fruitfulness with my family as well. Am I making any sense? So I need you to know that when I came to this point of realization, once again, there's another choice. Do, do I just slap a Band-Aid on that so we can just kind of limp along for another year? Right? Like, I've done that before. So have you. Right? Let's just put a Band-Aid on it. Let's smooth it over. Say, I'm sorry. And let's keep going, but nothing really changes. Right? It, instead, I say, you know what? As painful, God, as I know this is going to be, would you please help me pinpoint the problem? I, I, I want you to show me what's keeping me from living an intentional and fruitful life that I know that you've called me to live with you and with my family. And that's when it hit me, what I shared last week, that busyness. Like, what was the main obstacle, the number one obstacle, the number one enemy to keep me from living an intentional life? It was this, is that busyness was the main thing keeping me from living the way Jesus wants me to. You see, somewhere along the line, it's like I, I bought into that lie that so many of us do that, that the world keeps selling, that slow is bad and fast is good. Right, and it's caused me to live this hurried life a majority of time, so much so that I'm worn out, and, and those you know, most important to me, they're paying the price for it. Because don't bother me, I got something to do. <laughs> right? And, and so, listen, I want to I maybe real quick 
pause, take a commercial break. I don't know why I'm going to be this raw with you, but I'm going to be this raw with you. Listen, I'm not sure uh, we always recognize this, but typically the unhealthy parts of our lives are connected to a lie that we believe somewhere. I, I really want to say all unhealthy parts, but I'm hesitant to do that. But literally the unhealthy parts of our lives are connected to a lie that we believe somewhere. Now, now what I'm about to say, once again, is extremely vulnerable. But listen, over the past few days, um, you, you got to love when the Holy Ghost shines his light, <laughs> right? Um, I, I've had to admit that the amount of hours that I work uh, aren't healthy. It's kind of funny because the Lord's like, you're a hypocrite. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I keep thinking in my head, and he's not here because... He's not feeling well today, but, but how many times have I dogged Pastor Brian, go home and be with your wife? Here, watch this, Could, just because he's showing up 7, 8 o'clock from work because he's working 70 hours a week. But, but here's what the Lord showed me. Quinn, what's the difference? You may show up at home, but you're not mentally there. Mm. Good point, Lord. <laughs> right? So uh, anyways, so it's like, you know, I have this idea of how much I work. Um, you, you know, but the reality is, is it never stops. And I think for some of you guys that own the business, you know what that means. Like, like you, it just, it never stops. It's like there, there, in this world, there is no, uh, you know, clock out at four and go home and I'll see you on Monday. That does not exist, right? And so, listen, so I just think to me, sitting back and having to admit that I'm in an unhealthy spot, it's allowed the Holy Spirit to reveal some lies that I have believed for a long time. And, and, and these may sound really silly to you, but I'm telling you, these things got their grip in me. And here's the lies. For starter, how many times have I heard people say, and they chuckle at the end, uh, but it hits home like it hurts. They'll say this, pastors are lazy because they only work on Sundays. Like, I've literally heard that from the time I was a little kid, right? And I've been told that since I've been here. And they laugh. <laughs> I'm like, you got no freaking clue, <laughs> right? Because, because what they don't understand is half the time I'm like, man, I wish I could trade lives with you, <laughs> right? So, and then there was that, that question my uncle asked me years ago when I first started in, in ministry he I remember I I came home and uh and I went over to see him and my aunt and this guy was like uh you know like a second dad to me and I remember him looking at me and him saying uh Q uh when are you going to get a real job right and, and then there's that old uh lingering thought that this and this is just me being really real here that real men work with their hands and, and, and since I don't have a job that requires me to work with my hands in reality, I don't have the skills to do any of that, right? Like God didn't give them to me. I don't have it, right? Uh, th then what happens is, is there's, th there's this thought that I must not be a real man. I don't have what it takes. Told you I was getting real with you today, right? So, so what have I done? I, what, what I've done is I've given room to those lies in my heart for a really long time. I'm saying this because some of y'all need to identify the lie. I'm trying to help you. Okay, by confessing my own stuff so I can get healed in the process, right? So, so listen, that, that we've given room to those lies in our heart, or at least in my heart. And what I've done is, is I've went, okay, uh, I'm going to set out to get man's approval by working really hard. Like maybe those guys that are really good at working their hands, that they'll look over at me and go, you know what, that guy's a hard worker. And somehow I'll get their approval from that because I'm running myself ragged. 
right? And, and, and it's like, I don't know why I'm like, 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 I don't even think they notice me in reality, right? And, and so what the other thing is, that's all, I've also tried to uh, prove all of those people wrong that says pastors are lazy by having the busy schedule that I try to keep. Like, dude, I'm not lazy. Mama didn't raise me to be lazy, right? But, but here's the thing, but at what cost am I trying to gain approval and prove people wrong? Like, what's it really worth, right? And, and so, so let's unpause. Let's circle back around, right? That was a commercial break, free. <laughs> kind of felt like one of those feed the children and show. Anyways, it was like, all right, anyways. So, so listen, let's circle back to that lie that the world keeps telling us that slow is bad, fast is good. And, and that if you and I don't have a packed schedule or somewhere to go or something to do, and we're not looking at our phones 24-7, then we are missing out on something, Right? So in turn, what happens is, is you and I, we pride ourselves in keeping up, running faster, doing more, working harder, working longer, and always being available. Bing, bing. Truth. Right? So listen, with that in mind, I, I feel like I need to maybe remind us of two things this morning, okay? And, and the first thing is this, is I think we need to be reminded that when you and I were born again, we entered into an upside-down kingdom. Y'all, please hear me. Everybody look here, please. That when you and I gave our lives to Jesus, we were born again. We were, became a new creation into an upside-down kingdom that has turned the value system of this world on its head. And I think that the kingdom of God would imply to us that hurry is of the devil and slow is of Jesus. The second thing that I think we need to be reminded of this morning is this, is that if, if a fast-paced life is the goal then why was Jesus never in a hurry? Now listen, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying trying to apply Jesus was lazy or never busy. Dude was a man's man, right? He was a carpenter that left ministry to do what I do or left the shop to do what I do, right? And so, and so listen, he wasn't lazy, uh, but man, he, he, was, he was truthfully, I'll say it this way, he was often busy, but he was never in a hurry. Okay, and so listen, if I can kind of prove this, look at John 11 for a moment. And, I, and don't get all theological on me here, okay? Just take it for what it's worth, face value. It says in verse 1, it says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her, mother Lazarus, her brother Lazarus was sick. Sorry. Verse 3 says, So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will be re received, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. Verse 5 says, So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, watch this, he stayed where he was for the next two days. I, I think this. If you and I had to go pray for somebody that was dead, we might say, I'm busy right now. Don't bother me. Right? But, but listen, he wasn't in a hurry. And here's what I've noticed. If that happened in our world, you and I would have hopped on the first flight out of town to Bethany. We'd have been gone. Right? That's not what Jesus did. See, see the reality is, is when you and I read the Gospels, we never see Jesus rushing from one meeting to the next. He doesn't do it. We never see him, you know, kind of this sense that he's checking his watch to see if the preacher's almost done. That was a intentional comment. All right. So, 
But, but he's not, he's, he wasn't there like checking his watch to go, man, like what time is it, right? And we never see him getting impatient. We never see him worried about if somebody's going to make him late with their request or their interruption. Like Jesus was never bothered with somebody saying, can you pray for me? Or can you pray for my daughter? Can you pray for my son? He never was like, fine, whatever. <laughs> Come on, church. The, the, bottom, the bottom line is this, is that Jesus chose to live, keywords an unhurried life. And you see, I believe it was that unhurried life that allowed him in Mark 10 to slow down and lay hands on the children and bless them when all of his disciples around him were just trying to get him to hurry to the next big event. There's something more important. There's a bigger crowd. Don't worry about the kids. Let's go. No, no, no. Jesus said, bring them to me. Let me bless them. Right? And see, I think it was this unhurried life that caused him in Mark 5 to pause and actually minister to the woman with the issue of blood. He could have easily kept pressing through the crowd, don't bother me, don't bother me, but something left him and he stopped what he was doing. There was a dead person he was going to go pray for, a Jairus' daughter, but he stopped and he ministered to a woman. He didn't see her as an interruption. Am I making sense? Listen, I think it was this unhurried life that allowed him in John chapter 4 to actually minister to a broken Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, right? Like nobody else wanted to bother with her. He said, I got this, right? And as, listen, it was that unhurried life that caused him to bow down on one knee and then wash his feet, uh, wash his disciples' feet as an act of a servant in John chapter 13. Are, are we seeing the picture here? So listen, I don't know about you, but in my opinion, that begs us to ask the question this, that if Jesus was never in a hurry, then why are we? Do me a favor, fella. Quit worrying about, well, I got this deadline. That, that, we, we all got deadlines. We all got responsibilities. We all got busy schedules. Listen, if, you got, if you're married, it got more complicated. If you got kids, even more complicated. If your kids are involved in events, more complicated. We all got those things, but slow down. There's an inner posture and an inner rest that Jesus wants us to enter into. Like this morning... There was about 10 different reasons why I could have got all worked up before I got here. Nope, not going there, Jesus. Not going there. Peace is too valuable. Not going there, right? So listen, I, I might be wrong, but listen, I think when we come to the unhurried life of Jesus, it goes back to a single declaration. I'm not trying to be cute here. I, I think it goes back to a single declaration that he made when he was 12 years old in Luke chapter 2 when he simply said this, did you not know that I must be about my father's business. Notice he never said this, I must be about my father's busyness. See, I'm here to tell you that the father's business rarely moves quick, right? God tends to be extremely methodical and extremely intentional with most things with an occasional suddenly sprinkled in, I guess just to keep us on our toes. I don't know, but that's how it works, gang, right? Like we're on the go, 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 but he just doesn't operate like that. So listen, as we as we maybe consider this morning the unhurried life of Jesus, uh, I have to ask, have you, have you ever wondered how often you miss divine, God-ordained moments and encounters in your life because you're in a hurry? I know I have, right? So the truth is, is sometimes I fear we resemble this story that I read the other day, and if everybody could just kind of grab a hold of this really quick. Um, the story that I read the other day was about a college professor who gave his class a test 
where all they had to do to pass was to literally write their name on it and then sit there. Like, I wish a teacher would have gave me that kind of test, right? Like, like that should be super easy to pass, right? It, it, but when you read the story, it's like apparently not. And here's why. The story goes on to say this, that the professor told the class to do two things. First, write their name on the paper, and second, read all the instructions before taking the test. I'm going to say it again. Write your name on the paper, and second, read all the instructions before taking the test. However, in a rush, or we could say in a hurry, to answer all the questions that they knew, most of the students passed up the instructions, right? At the top of the page, it said this in bold letters, do not answer any questions on this test. Quietly remain in your seats for the rest of the class period. So listen, the few of them that did follow the directions, uh, you, you know, they read the instructions and, you know, they did what it said, but then they looked around, kind of confused at first, uh, but, because, but basically, let me just say it this way, they realized at that point that the purpose of the test wasn't to test them on their knowledge of the class content, but to see how well they paid attention to detail. So as you can expect, most of the class, right, the few that got it sat there. Everybody else was in a mad dash in a hurry, and most of those people failed that day uh, simply because they were too in a hurry or too rushed, too distracted to slow down and do what the professor asked them to do. Man, listen, are, are, we, not, are we not guilty of doing the same thing when it comes to hearing and obeying Jesus? Yes. We tend to get so in a hurry with our schedules rushing from one thing to the next, so ready to prove what we think we already know, right? But the reality is, is all that hurry, the only thing it accomplishes is it causes us to be distracted from the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. And what happens is we end up missing God-ordained moments because we weren't fully engaged. In short, let me just say this. It's difficult to listen and to love well when you're in a hurry. So with that in mind, please listen to this quote by this lady named Ann Voskamp. She said this. She said, being in a hurry, getting to the next thing without fully entering the thing in front of me, I cannot think of a single advantage I've ever gained from being in a hurry, but a thousand broken and missed things, tens of thousands, lie in the wake of all the rushing through all that haste I thought I was making up time, it turns out I was throwing it away. If you've got kids in, that, in this room or in your life, if, you have, if you're in this room and you have kids, I can't say it right, heed that because it goes by quick. Here's the point that I want to make is that just maybe the next time we find ourselves getting so busy, that we're tempted, to start, we're tempted to start living at some warp speed, maybe we should remember that it was Jesus' unhurried, God-centered, kingdom-focused, intentional life that changed the world. It wasn't Jesus' busy, hurry, rush life that changed the world. It was a slow-down, unhurried, intentional life that changed the world. And, and I just think today, if that's true, then just maybe, y'all listen, maybe God's given us permission to slow down as well. Right? Why? So that we can be fully present, fully engaged, and fully invested in the relationships that matter the most. Let me give you an extra thought here. I simply want to remind all of us today that 
this spiritual journey we're on, uh, they call it a walk with God and not a run with God for a reason. Right? If you can remember, the Bible says this. It says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And if you remember all the way in the book of Daniel, that there was that fourth man who walked with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fire. God didn't run with Adam. Enoch didn't run with God. And they didn't take off running through the fire either. They simply walked. Why? Because love has a speed. God walks at a, at a pace of patience with us. Aren't you glad for that? Right? Because if he ran at the speed that he's able to, uh, we would miss out, to put it short. So just maybe it's time for you and I to find a new rhythm and a new pace in life. All right? All right, let me land this. I want to I just drive one more point home. Hopefully you're okay with this. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take a pretty sharp right turn here. Uh, but I actually want to address a single question just to... Uh, Give us something to think about this week, okay, if that wasn't enough already. So, so here's the question. Can busyness or hurry keep us from becoming who God has called us to be? A thousand times yes. But, but watch this. Let me insert a quote here by Dallas Willard. He said this. He said, the most important thing in your life is not what you do. It's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. So I, I think it's important kind of with that quote lingering in the air, it's important for us to understand that throughout the New Testament, we find Jesus and the apostles, uh, talking about the rest of the New Testament, continually speaking and writing about three things, love, joy, and peace. And I also think it's important for us to understand that these are more than just some nice Christian feelings that he wants us to have. Oh, I just felt love today. Oh, I had a moment of joy. No, 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 stop, please, right? Uh, rather, it's this, is that those are things that, that he wants us to embody or that's the type of people he actually wants us to become. That he wants us to be men and he wants us to be women who carry and emanate everywhere we go love, joy, and peace. Not because it's some emotion, it's because it's become such a part of us, it's who we are. Amen? So let me give you a handful of verses here. I'm going to read six verses uh, Basically at a good pace so we can get through this. It's going to basically, you'll see love, you'll see joy, and you'll see peace of who we're supposed to be. Matthew 22, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Fast forward there to John 13. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let's look at joy, John 15. He says, if you keep my commandments, then you will, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Philippians 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. Don't that always cause some problems? Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Now let's look at peace. John 14 says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind. That's the gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. 
Colossians 3 says this. It says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. All right, here's what I want to do. Here's the point. Is I simply want to take a moment to show you how a life of busyness or a life of hurry uh, keeps us from becoming who God wants us to be. To do that, I simply want to point out this. Write these three little thoughts down if you don't mind. Number one is that hurry is incompatible with love. Listen, as we read a few seconds ago in Matthew 22 and John 13, Jesus clearly set love as the highest value in the kingdom. Can we all agree on that? It's pretty clear. Love God, love people, right? If you love people, then you show the world that you love me, right? And so, but listen, how many of you guys know that love is time-consuming? Y'all should all shake your head and your leg right there. Like, well, yes, right? <laughs> listen, if you have an intimate relationship with God or if you're married in here or if you have, a ch- you know, children or if you've been blessed with long-time friendship, then you know there are no shortcuts when it comes to having healthy relationships, because all healthy relationships require time, right? In fact, how many times have we heard it said, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E, time. So, but watch this. Unfortunately, far too often, our lives resemble, uh, like I mentioned last week, is that some of our greatest failures as spouses or as a parent or as a friend, as a leader, so on, typically happen when we're being impatient and we're in a hurry, right? It's like we get busy, we feel overwhelmed, and so from that moment, every person that comes and tries to talk to us, they now become an inconvenience, right? Like, like let, me just, let me just say this, because it won't leave me alone. Like, how many times have we uh, been looking at our phone at something that's irrelevant, Instagram, Facebook, ESP, whatever, right? YouTube, and our kid comes up, don't bother me, I'm busy right now. That's sin, it's wrong, right? That child is a thousand times more important than whatever you're looking at. That'll be there in a few seconds if you just go, yes. Amen? So what happens is this. is that responding out of love like we know we should in those moments where we're busy, right, and we're just in a hurry. What happens is, is we begin to not, uh, we, we just simply begin to react out of frustration, Right? We ignore them in a rude way so they get the point, right? We blow them off. Uh, we say things that are hurtful. Or we give a mean look or whatever. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that we fail to walk in love because we're in a hurry. Why? Because, once again, hurry is incompatible with love. They simply don't mix. They're like oil and water, right? So we need to recognize, once again, that love has a speed. And love is patient, Right? Number two, I'm going to say these last two quicker. Number two is that hurry is incompatible with joy. Like we need to grab a hold of this. Hurry is incompatible with joy. Now I'll make this point really quick. Um, there, there are so many people who have uh, in, intentionally focused on the mental and emotional and spiritual health of individuals. This is inside the church world and outside the church world. And all of them tend to agree on this one thing. Can you believe that? They can agree on something. They agree on this. That the secret to happiness is simply, it's this, it's finding a way to be present in the moment. That's the key to happiness, to be present in the moment. They say the more present we are in the now and with the people that surround us, that we are more likely to be grateful for what is. 
And because we are grateful, it causes joy to fill our hearts. Remember, the Bible says this. It says, in your presence there's fullness of joy. So listen, when we are fully engaged and fully present with God, that means our hearts are full of joy. Not when we're mad dashing in there really quick to throw up what we need like he's some wishing well. When we're, when we're fully engaged with him, joy comes. And from that place of joy, what happens is, is it allows the same thing to happen with family, same thing to happen with friends. Are y'all hanging in there with me? Yes. Number three, hurry is incompatible with peace. I think this one's pretty obvious too. Listen, but if you're struggling to believe that, just do me a favor. The next time you're running late for an appointment or sitting in the car because your wife isn't ready yet, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way, if you're in the car waiting for your husband because he isn't ready or waiting for your children or, or you're like me this morning, you're in a hurry because you're running late to church, pull out, you get behind a really slow vehicle. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that because the person's in here. Anyway, so, um, so get behind the individual and you hit, listen, there's, we live in a town with like two red lights and I hit both of them today right like come on like let's go right and so listen like like when you're in those moments when you're in a hurry like just pause for a second take an interior inventory just to see is the peace of God ruling in my heart right now do I feel a deep sense of shalom <laughs> right like is it there like like am I calm like am I at peace or am I feeling something else yeah Here's the point is I believe the Bible is really clear that if you and I want to become who God wants us to be, then we must do our best to simplify our schedules and eliminate hurry from our lives. I hope I'm talking to somebody today because I'm sure enough talking to myself. Now listen, does this mean you and I will never be busy? It's, it's not going to happen. We live in a world that's chaotic, right? But I just think we need to remember this, that even when Jesus was busy, he never got in such a hurry that he lost his ability to walk in love, joy, and peace towards those around him. And maybe we should follow his example. All right, so in close, I want to ask us a question. You can stand to your feet, please. I want to ask us one more question. I just want to give you a quick challenge. How does, you can close your eyes and just listen, but how does busyness or hurry not only rob you from living a intentional life like we talked last week, but here's a question. But, but how does busyness remove your capacity to walk in love, joy, and peace? Here's what I want you to do for a moment. Don't think about the, the person at the counter behind Walmart. It's easy to be patient with them. A whole other thing to be patient with your husband or your wife or your kids. Think about those relationships closest to you. How does busyness and hurry Remove your capacity to walk in love, joy, and peace. And here's the challenge I have for you. We all know that life is full of interruptions. Can I hear an oh yeah? So listen, there's no doubt that interruptions are going to come your way tomorrow. Possibly even this afternoon. But listen, it, it may come through your child. It may come through a coworker. It may come through an unexpected phone call. But my challenge for all of us today is this, is rather than us automatically respond like we have been for all these years or react how we've been all these other years out of frustration because this is an interruption, I just want to encourage all of us to maybe look for ways to uh, unhurry, 
slow down and try to be fully present with the person that's in front of us in the spirit of love, in the spirit of joy, and in the spirit of peace. As we continue to look, God, into your perfect character of love. Jesus, we recognize so many times our shortcomings. But Lord, then again, we look, God, we look and you say that you don't put us down because of it. You say, come on, walk with me a little longer and let me show you a better way. And so, Jesus, I pray today, God, that we would not be in a hurry, God, that we would not try to rush the process, God, of the life that we live with you and, Lord, the life that you've called us to live with each other. But, God, we thank you so much that you are with us, you are for us, you are not against us, God, because of all that you've done. You loved us first. And so, Lord, we say that we love you. So, Lord, I pray that as we go out today that we would continue to say within our hearts, God, that we will continue to be intentional with the love and with the patience that we show, Lord, our families, our spouses, God, our family members, Jesus, our friends. And we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you that it's true, and we thank you that it's life. And so, God, we give you praise, we give you honor, and, Lord, we ask that you would give us the strength, Lord, and as we walk in your strength, we thank you, God, that your joy be made full in us, Lord. We love you, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.